and we're back. Welcome to No Direction Beyond, your home for Starfinders news, reviews, and interviews. I'm Alexander Agunis, No Direction's Everyman Gamer, and I'm joined, as always, by the most intrepid Starfinder this side of the galaxy, James Ballad. Hi, it's right, Code Switch. And today we're also joined by two members of the Starfinder creative team, because uh, unless you've been under a, I don't know, a space rock or something, an asteroid, uh, you've probably <laughs> heard that there's a new Starfinder uh, looming on the horizon uh, of the vast for everybody. Well, I'm going to stop with all these puns, but we're here with uh, uh, Jenny uh, Jarzabski. Oh my God, I hope I said it right. You said and it right. I yeah. did it. Yeah, I practiced. <laughs> literally, literally, I was like, throw questions together, spend a week making sure I don't make a fool of myself on this stream. And oh, hi, Thurston. Oh, hi. <laughs> yeah. I'm just, well, I'm just the eye candy here. What can I say? <laughs> Very well, it's wonderful to have you both on the show. It's it's been a while. Jenny and I were talking about it during the pre-show, and like, I don't think we've had Jenny on here since like Dustin was like a member of us and not a member of you. Yeah, it's been like two years. Yeah, easily, so time time is an illusion, as you'll soon find out as this product gets closer to shipping. <laughs> well we thank you so much for being on no direction beyond uh we talked a lot about the first field test which came out almost a month ago now is that right yeah yeah, yeah wow that time right. really is an illusion yes <laughs> yeah uh just just a bit over a month ago yeah because it's like yeah. early early august yeah so what's the reaction uh to the field test been for both of you are you excited scared nervous surprised oh Meh. just like super super positive like every, everywhere that i've kind of gone has just been like really positive vibes people seem to be really excited where we're taking the game and sort of um are happy with the open play test side of things and sort of that approach like it's it's just been really cool and like you know people are tearing it apart but when some people tear things apart like i haven't had someone who's been doing it in a bad way like everyone's yeah. been like really good about like you know that their analysis and in many cases it was funny because some of the things people hyper analyzed we'd already changed by the time that field test was out so it's uh, it's funny like that you know but at least then that gives you the feedback that like that decision was the correct one absolutely um, or i mean unless the hyper analysis was useless then i don't yep. know shrug yeah. Uh, but it can be both. So um, what's it like running a playtest essentially two years in advance? Paizo's never had a playtest with this amount of like need it, correct? Well, we're like clarifying. We're not we're not running a playtest here, right? Like these field tests are not a are not a playtest. They a are a, alpha. <laughs> they, yeah, they're like, hey, look at the cool stuff we're doing. That's yeah. that's kind of what this is like. If you have some like big concerns, feel free to bring them up. Like we appreciate that. As I said, we we certainly look at it. Um, but it it's a chance for us to get ideas out there. But we don't have a play test for, oh gosh, just under a year. Um, so you know, like the the full play test process is coming. But like this process is is something very different. It's I think I wouldn't even call it a play test because you know we're not giving you all the things you need to do a proper play test with it. Yeah, you know, it's it's actually really funny that you say that because like I've seen in like different Pathfinder 2E things, I've seen people like play testing the new exemplar and animus with like soldiers in the party. So it's like, oh, I guess you're playing level five or lower then. <laughs> yeah, I've seen that too. And I, I think like some people are doing their best to play games with the soldier and like throw the guns in. And that's great because you know we were fine with that. We want you to do that. But obviously we're gonna give you a more robust play test with full rules down the mm -hmm. road that that's what we really want that that like working feedback on. This is just more here's what we're thinking, here's gauging initial reactions and just getting the community talking about it, basically. And the community definitely is talking about it. We've been talking about it since our last episode. And so we have some questions that uh, people have responded to with hashtag, um, God, what I say was beyond questions, I think is what I, I linked in our chat. So we have a few from those. James and I have some questions to round it out. And we also have an, a live audience. Uh, this, wow, we're at 15. Nice. Uh, I'm excited because nice. usually most of our listeners are, are um, people who listen to the show after the fact on uh the rss feed so uh seeing this many people come out thank you so much we appreciate you if you have questions you would like uh thurston or jenny to answer feel free to, to throw them into the street the uh, stream chat i can't promise you will answer all of them but at the very least uh jenny and thirsty will see them 
and that's sure. all I can promise you. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, uh, I guess we should uh, not stick around and wait for too long, huh, James? We should start throwing questions. Yeah, how about you start us off? Oh, no. All right. Um, why don't we start with one of our listener questions? Um, Milo V asked in our chat, uh, actually, uh, there's a lot of questions about specific classes. Is that off the menu? Um, so we will talk broadly about some, some classes. We're not going to deep dive classes. We haven't even shown a field test. Yeah, before. totally. Um, you know, we've, we've certainly done some of our, uh, field report blogs where we've talked about play tests and people have gleamed some stuff, but again, that bike is all subject to change and might not even be a current rendition of where we're at. So I don't want to entertain too much of like would bees, could bees, maybe bees. Okay. Then <laughs> this then isn't maybe... the bee movie. That's fair. Oh my God. That movie. Maybe then we can focus those questions around like a description or a, a more of a like details on like some of the field test reports then, um, or however you want to do it. You guys decide. Done, done, done. So the, ask the question. So Milo V had two questions. One was about the operative. The one was about the mystic. Uh, for the operative, the question was uh, that the field test makes it sound very single shot focused because of the aim action. Uh, he was wondering whether that was as a feature of the operative, like, am I going to need to aim to do pretty much everything? Or uh, do you see it as something more like a support option? Like, are we going to see the old triple attack, quad attack build from uh, first edition? Well, um, you know, that that is certainly... The, the aim action and the application of it in the field test, uh, like play test that I, I know yeah. Milo was referring to, um, was from one type of build, which was a sniper type build, mm. um, which anyone who's played Starfinder First Edition knows was a type of build that was not obvious on how you actually built it. Um, <laughs> and so we wanted that to be on the tin. So that's that type of build. The operative, however, as a class, has other types of builds. And I can tell you from some of our other play tests that no one shot, one kill is not the the be all end all of the class. The mm -hmm. aim action that's mentioned there has some other things to it. So so you're telling me I can Widowmaker though? That was basically a Widowmaker mm -hmm. uh, report. That's, that's pretty cool. That that was in the that was in that report. I think it was like <laughs> forty plus damage in one shot. You know that was was that your character yeah. or Jessica's Jenny? That was Jessica's character. Oh yeah, did yeah. She, she was the sniper in that playtest. Did she say one shot, one kill? Like you got to quote it, right? It's like it's isn't that a requirement? <laughs> Kind of I like how, think, yeah. I don't think she said that, but she she had some other like edgy uh, edgy <laughs> liners for her yeah. for her sniper, if I recall correctly. Several. That's yes. good. Now you just need Dustin to play test one and have him shout Japanese Hanzo quotes the entire time. Oh my god. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, the other question that Milo had was about the Mystic. Uh, he pointed out the Mystic's well-known for having psychic powers in first edition. And uh, there's been some murmurings about how it's now a divine slash nature spell this class. So like, what's the plan with all the psychic stuff? Is it gone? Is it being added in other places? Is that still part of the design team's like con concept for what a Mystic is? Um the 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 psychic -y type things that i think people like about the mystic are are currently you know on the docket i'll say that um but as far as like is it an occult class well one thing we we did when we were looking at all of the classes in our game was like okay what do they currently do what can they do how how can we we analyze this gosh my hands like disappearing thanks auto, auto <laughs> i know i know anyway it's um, power. it is it's our entropy it's got me okay um the, the thing the thing there and and like jenny can back me up a bit on this when we were going through it as a team um it's like wow there sure was a lot of stuff in starfinder first edition that just all fell under a cult and that would be really boring like if you look at pretty much every spellcaster because it was all bespoke spell lists right yeah. um yeah. and so a lot of them because there weren't like there wasn't a ton of room and there wasn't a ton of you know opportunity to expand on those spell lists until later we kind of had to like scrounge between like two two piles um with this we've got a, a couple different opportunities and like mystics you know we were wanting to see you know where did they fit in our game from a 
lore perspective and what again what makes them different than a cleric right like what we don't want to do is just recreate a class that like to a lot of degrees is just very boring and so you know we looked at mystics and we're like hey there's some opportunity here with divine and and the the primal spell list not nature i correct you um (laughs) but those two those two spell lists are you know speak to a lot of things in starfinder um that you commonly associate mystics with mystics are sort of the the champions of deities and always have been in the setting but they're also sort of these champions of of certain causes that are close to nature a good example of that is like you know xeno druids are one of those things where we have we have had them in our setting for forever um and we want to make sure that you know we are we're giving opportunities and options for those those groups and factions right yeah, totally. I get you. Uh, Murder Hobo sixty two twenty six in chat live asks: uh, Are you aiming for Starfinder specific subclasses for Pathfinder core classes like the Fighter Wizard? Is that something that's on the table? Hmm. Um. Hmm. Okay. Uh, I think we can. Yeah, I think Jenny. we can answer right away. Definitely no. Um, I think right away our focus is more on making this a standalone game that is like obviously will be compatible, but is fully realized. We want to focus on the Starfinder classes that we're that we're creating and options for those. Um, oh my God, the, the See my they're not being eaten anymore. Whatever. <laughs> uh, and, and as for like thirsty you might be able to speak more to like the long-term plans which again we're we're still like we have some planned uh material several years out but we we clearly don't know the whole cycle of where everything will go forever right yeah um, totally it would make a lot of sense for it, us in the future to talk to our friends on the pathfinder side of the wall and mm-hmm. be like hey we should do a pathfinder starfinder book that's like four pages of fighter feats meant for starfinder four pages of ranger feats meant cool. for starfinder here's two more pages of ancestry feats for elves that are starfinder specific right like there's all these opportunities that present themselves we just kind of have to get to there right yeah definitely james do you want to take the next question uh, sure, I have one from uh, Dead Phoenix. Uh, so far, field test reports have been completely silent about the Envoy, um, mm-hmm. people hoping for non-magical bard support. Um, what are your plans for the Envoy, and how do you plan to balance uh, the need for a unique class that stands on its own versus a class that could potentially exist as just a 2E class? Uh, yeah, okay. So, so first of all, um, in the like, we haven't, you haven't talked about the Envoy. That's because we've only had one field test. So there's a lot of stuff we haven't talked yeah. about. So just, just like clarity on that point, right? Yeah. Um, but the Envoy is a class we were, we're in the midst of testing. Um, it's, it, it is, it is doing some things differently. We looked at the Envoy from first edition and what we're sort of, what were sort of like people's gripes about it in first edition and what were unfun play experiences in first edition that we could pr- improve on and really take advantage of some of the, um, the two E engine as we'll call it, um, you know, like taking advantage of that. I I'll say, I think Jenny, you in our, in our last play test played the envoy, right? Uh, yes, I did. Yeah. 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 And that was probably a very, different experience from envoys you've seen in like our 1e games for example um but without like spoiling any mechanics how would you say that experience felt like i'm I'm curious there yeah it was really fun because obviously like you know your 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 quippy like witty remarks are always free uh and of course there's (laughs) there's sometimes fun times we can do you know fun things we can do mechanically with that in in pathfinder but also Mm -hmm. possibly in sf2 um but it, it was it felt really good because it felt like i could do things that would boost you know buff my uh my comrades in some way but also have enough action again it's like the three action economy does so much work here on its own for just Mm -hmm. being like i can do a thing that boosts people i can take a pot shot and then i'm gonna dive for cover i'm gonna reposition because my face is too pretty to be in the way but like i got you fam and it was it was really fun like it honestly felt like the experience lived up to the fiction of that class of being like the the smooth talker or like the the sassy leader of the party. It was really fun, uh, and it felt like what I wanted. You know, obviously, it's not exactly the same as Starfinder First Edition, but there were some there were similarities. It felt it felt like that, but just it was just a different experience. But I really liked it. And I, th- I think the one thing I would say about the Envoy is it's standing right now. And again, I don't want to deep dive other classes too much, but. Um, one thing that I noticed, and it's always been my bugbear of the Envoy in, in first edition, mm-hmm. is um, 
you do your action and you're kind of spending your whole primary resource mechanic to make everyone else awesome. And that is a player. You have to be a specific type of player to find that enjoyable. Um, mm-hmm. And so, you know, when, when we come out with the enhanced envoy and Starfinder enhanced uh, releasing next month, uh, you're going to, you're going to find out that that was one of the things we looked at and tweaked was trying to give more opportunity for like envoys to, I don't know, do a thing and shoot their gun. Um, so, so <laughs> taking some of that like design principle and, and again, just lived experience of like our team has played this game. Like Jenny and I have been involved with Starfinder since the start of it as a game in one oh, way. Many, or many moons so, ago. Yeah. Oh gosh. Yeah. Are we still going to be able to get them? Got to shout, get them. It's a failure oh, yes. if I can't shout, yes. get them. Um, oh, yeah. you'll, you'll and, and in, and in fact, in fact, one of the, again, going back to the action economy things that's been really fun um, is it's really fun when as a reaction, when your get them target dies, you can spend a reaction to get them someone else. Change of plans. Change of plans. <laughs> <laughs> like, it's, there's there's so much just fun stuff there. See, I said I wouldn't spoil anything. And then you did. I am. And, ah, <laughs> oh, man. Again. Well, it can't be as bad as the time that Brian and Param accidentally got uh, Eric to spoil like a major release on stream. <laughs> um. So uh, next question then, uh, let's see. Um, what sort of ways is, do you, what, and so like, I think one of the things that I've seen people wondering is sort of like this, this statement of like, on one hand, people are like, oh, Starfinder 2 is going to be its own game. And other people are like, oh, Starfinder 2 is now a campaign setting for the three action system. And I think that like, that thought can sort of split and go both ways because like, We've seen campaign settings that have just built off of existing games, like, you know, in a whole bunch of the Wizards of the Coast stuff. But, like, we've also seen games where it's like, okay, we've added a couple of these new mechanics and it's definitely different. So, like, from where you guys are at and with what you're comfortable with sharing, what do you think makes Starfinder 2 its own game and not, like, derivative off of Pathfinder 2nd Edition? Or, Um, I don't know if that makes sense. Yeah, so, so, like, Let's let's get some things out on like cards on the table here, right? Like in a lot of ways, Starfinder started off as Pathfinder in space. Like mm-hmm. and 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 let's let's acknowledge that bugbear in the room, right? Yeah, like sure. <laughs> several of the gods are the same. The setting was was ripped. This was done in, in large part because Starfinder was made on a fairly tight timetable. Um mm-hmm. and so this was this was all things that led to the development of Starfinder, which made it a game that in many ways is, yes pathfinder in space in in some form or another um now when i hear people saying like oh like starfinder is going to be an expansion i like i can tell you emphatically that is not the case um in fact in our next field test like don't like i i have the line in the the intro that is like this is not an expansion guys chill chill um (laughs) because like you know starfinder is a brand right it's an important brand to paizo um it's it's an important you know pillar in our company and what we do um we want to make sure Sure that we're supporting it as as well as we can. We don't want to do that abusively. Like for example, when we do our playtest rulebook, spoiler alert, you're probably going to need to own player core and GM core for Pathfinder 2. But also all of those rules are available for free online if you want to check them out anyways. But it's it's again just incredibly presumptive of us to like fill a playtest rule book full of rules that already exist for what is essentially a free playtest. Like I want to give as much value as we can to people to test out the things that are new and not just us reprinting words, which would be the easier way to do it. Um, but for a playtest, we're getting a specific brand of player anyways. And I hope that they're a bit more invested to check those rules. Yay. Um, but when it comes to the final game and like I, people should not be under any illusions about this Starfinder second edition will be its own game. It will have its own standalone core rule books it will have its own standalone support it's not just going to be here is like three books we've bundled together and that's the end of the product line that's that's nowhere near our intent with this cool um night trace in in chat asks um will switching to a system that's more like pathfinder second edition lend itself to changes from pathfinders core assumptions like are you gonna look at the different rarity tags like are like that i'm I'm sure it's way too early along the process to have a lot of information about that but like i guess i think what they're trying to ask is 
is is it is it on the table that you could change core rules in that version of the three action system for the Starfinder version if you felt like it would be more appropriate for the game that you were creating? When we say these games are completely compatible, I I don't I I don't want to pull the rug out from from someone. That's very important to me. When we say these games are compatible, I don't want like a 3.0 to 3.5 the grapple rules are totally like the same <laughs> kind of really or even, you know, mm. even to to a degree Pathfinder first edition to Starfinder. Um mm. sure there were rules for converting your PF1 stuff to Starfinder, but no one ever really did them right like it was mm. very rare that people would go through that it was we, harder work than, than it, it was, made it, it was yeah um, and and we don't want to make changes to the core engine of the game that would undermine that like i don't want to i don't want to change a baseline math assumption for example um or how you know the fun fundamentally how a weapon property works um because that's just going to create dissonance between the games and that's going to take away from these games being compatible now there are tons of cases where we look at stuff and go ah we can improve or make addendums to that i'll give a a, a good example of this in in pathfinder 2e there is an injection trait um mm -hmm. so like you know in Starfinder, you have injection weapons. I have a stick. I poke someone with a stick full of poison. They take they take damage. In in Pathfinder, um, when you stick someone with a stick full of poison, you spend an action to then inject the poison, which makes sense. You're you know taking advantage of your action economy. Yay. Um, we had to put a rule in there that under the injection property that was like, oh, do you shoot a gun with an injection like weapon? You don't have to spend the second action. Don't worry, momentum will do that for you. Um, and those are the types of things where we can. And expand on and build on some existing architecture where the real fun thing and like what makes our game different um and i don't want to say un like uncompatible or different from like these these core rules is there is a different meta state and how the game exists and plays from like a at the table perspective um that, that and that is like that is a, a core functionality and then the other one is we're going to have a whole bunch of new bespoke things new conditions new spells new assumptions for certain certain types of weapons and whatnot those will all you know latch on and be added rules but they won't they, they won't be like ah to attack with your sword you now roll a d12 that would defeat the purpose of what we're doing definitely james do you want to take a question um sure um I just have one. How do you design combat to make um, like guns or other firearms desirable for ninth level casters and magic desirable for lower level uh, casters? Like think Maguses. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So I think there's a couple things here, and I I believe Jenny can like touch on some of these, uh, handling some of our spellcaster. But we have something in our game we call casting gun that has proven to be really effective <laughs> for spellcasters. It's a one action uh, that everybody has actually. Uh, oh. Yeah. No, it's it's been really good, honestly. Like the again, that three action economy and the addition of everyone probably has a gun. If you don't, I I suggest that you purchase one. Uh, they are very <laughs> useful tools. Our game assumes everyone has them. Yeah, pretty much. Um, everyone's got a gun. So uh, yeah. So basically, like you know, we we are actually coming up with some new spells and uh, class abilities that are just one action. But even the two action spells and class abilities. You can, you know, cast your spell and then pew pew, you cast gun. Um and, and it's it's great because it, it adds, I feel like it adds to power level. Like it is it's something that you can do in addition to your your main uh damage and ability vector, but and it's fun and satisfying because you still get to roll your dice and hopefully you hit. But uh, that's part <laughs> of it. That's not everything, but you know, that and this being more of a our, our our idea of this game is more of a ranged meta that also helps it casters and and again people with guns whether they are mm -hmm. gun focused uh martial type characters or they are they are melee characters who also have the backup piece because again get the gun just have the gun <laughs> can you and, talk and, a little oh i'm sorry go ahead My bad. I, was, I was just gonna say and this is something that like people who are in the starfinder first edition ecosystem and haven't like learned about 2e yet um you know 
you can cast like most most spells on average are about two action casts giving you that action left over so there are certain combos you can do like i cast a fireball and then i shoot my gun but where it really comes into play and is really noticeable is like i use a buff or a debuff spell Mm. or an area control spell something that's maybe not an attack roll so when i use my gun i'm firing my gun at full efficiency and so that really promotes this play of like you know, I, I'm I'm using my spells and then I'm shooting a gun, but it also creates interesting play dynamics at the table. One thing we've seen a lot of in our playtests, especially with the spellcasting classes, is there's there's this constant tug of war um, with the okay, I cast a spell, but then my third action that I have left over is now like left up to: Do I move into a more advantageous position? Do I cast gun? Do I use one of these class abilities we've had? That's you know one action um Pull a the grenade th- out of my cheek pouches and yeah you know, do i throw, throw a grenade and throw that that's another thing you can cast <laughs> as a spellcaster. or um <laughs> one thing that we haven't even got into too much here but really impacts the meta do i take cover like mm-hmm. these are all mm-hmm. big decisions in the game yeah, um, cover i feel like is going to be something that people have to pay attention to like from the wargamer yes. side you really yeah. get cover and when you get into the role-playing space like half the people don't understand you really want something between you and the thing shooting you Terrain is going to really matter a lot more in this version of Starfinder. I'm just going to say that right now. We've seen it in our playtest. It is part of our, like, adventure design Bible that we're working with. Like, it is terrain matters in this case and how you use terrain. So, I I mean, like, we know that's not the case in first edition, which is basically a melee slog. So (laughs) how how do, I mean, it's true. It wasn't Uh, intended to be, but it it wasn't intended to be, but there were circumstances that made it. Absolutely. I mean, we're part of the problem. Uh, That's what we preach. (laughs) (laughs) Or organized play made a whole generation of people who expected that maps would be 24 by 30. Thanks, Flip Maps. Um, Like, it happens. (laughs) I actually, I want to, I want to address something I just saw in chat about taking cover eating up an action um so you already can get a benefit from cover sometimes depending on mm-hmm. how terrain is or other circumstances mm-hmm. it's just that take the the take cover is an action that will give you greater benefits yes. so there may be situations where you you don't actually have to do it because you're already good but if you want to full defense like i'm just gonna mm-hmm. really hunker down and get more you know i'm gonna get more of that benefit then yeah you might want to take an action but in some cases it probably won't be worth it because you have other yeah. things you'd rather be doing and some of our classes inherently work with cover and have actions. Several yeah. of our classes, in fact, have actions that directly work with cover. Like, you do this thing and you take cover, or you can take cover and do this thing. Oh, That's so going like to be part of this. Like actions? Hmm? Like as yeah, like, actions? Like, like I, I mean, do the you... thing and then I... Yeah, you, you, like, you see this a lot in, in um, Pathfinder 2e design already. Like, yeah. uh, uh, you know your standard move is called a stride it's one action you move up to your speed but like a class might have a one action ability it could do once per round to move to stride twice um we might have a a, an action that's like hey you can fire your gun and immediately take cover for one action that might be a thing yeah you'll make james and i'm really happy if you call it dolphin dive (laughs) <laughs> um there is there is at least one thing that is in that vein so yeah <laughs> we lobbies live back when we played dead sons like when we we played dead sons when it first came out as the books were coming out and our mechanic player would would run or shoot and then just drop prone as a free action and it became known as butters dolphin dive dive it was very good so uh, i'm looking forward to that um Jenny, I want to cycle back to you because one thing you mentioned was that you wanted to create a ranged meta state. Can you talk a little bit about what your design philosophies are to try to get to that goal? Yeah, sure. So, I mean, having the assumption that everyone has a gun and will be able to get one is part of that, like having more ranged weapons options. Uh, also, so, so like we are going to have classes that have melee options, but in general, uh, a lot of our classes are more focused on ranged combat first, while we do have, uh, mm-hmm. melee weapon available ability. I can't talk. I could totally talk. That's um, fine. I know that feel. So, so part of it too, is like I said, like we're, we're talking about doing more with bigger maps, like bigger, bigger spaces, which comes from adventure. You know, if you're mm-hmm. GMing your own homebrew stuff, that's going to kind of be on you. Although we hope that the flip mats and such we come out with will will provide more options for that uh for less 
all the time close quarters battles. So that's kind of the plan there too. Uh, just also the fact that we're going to have species or rather ancestries that can fly from level one uh, and and some that can fly, you know, with with variant rules not long after level one. I think that's going to help with the range state uh, meta state as well too, because when you have enemies and and uh, allies who just can fly or float around, you're you know it's it's you're going to have to have either really good mobility or a way mm -hmm. to just shoot them down as well. And and there's there's a couple of you know two e things that factor into this, like in the two e engine no one gets attack of opportunity by mm -hmm. default so moving around and moving about is unless you have also, a special class like you're the yeah unless you have certain but, abilities yeah. that grant it to you yeah. but no one by default has that right um so so that that adds to that state the other thing too is like something i, I want to address i've seen a lot of people who have you know talked about like oh but the soldier in the in like first edition you could do this like massive melee powerhouse and it's like yes and maybe that was partly contributing to the problem of melee having this inherently like super strong situation where you could build this like death roller who was specifically made for melee and then it took away from everything else. Whereas if we can can better balance that out across the game and give people reasons to use guns, then suddenly the game doesn't become murder ball. Yeah, it definitely feels like Starfinder 1 was designed to people wouldn't go melee, so they incentivized it, and they were like, oh, incentives. And then... Oh, oh, I, re I remember talking to Owen about this when the game came out, and John and I were having to do checks for OP and being like, this melee seems awful good, Owen. And Owen would, would tell... I remember it, it was a joke for John and I for a while. Was like, in our playtest, the average player was like 30 to 60 feet apart when they were playtesting. And I'm like... Oh, that will not work on an organized play table. That will never <laughs> work on an organized play table. Uh, and I, you know, like again, you're you're sort of building for for yeah. different situations. One thing that's good with our team, for example, is you know we all have org play experience, so we know like flip maps and stuff are going to be super important to you know a, a subset of the game. But also, we're building that game so like close quarters gunfighting feels really good and yeah. is very tactical and important. We've had like gunfights that have been one square apart. So <laughs> around the same pillar just <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean uh, over the same log. Like everyone's ducking <laughs> behind a log, gets up shoots, gets back down behind the log. I mean that makes sense too because yeah. like that that is part of the like the Star Wars fantasy. Like how many of those fights are people in hallways shooting at each other from around corners? Like Ab absolutely, but yeah. we also want to make sure that melee is part of the game, but it's yeah. not overshadowing. A great example right. of this that we saw a lot of effect with was um the the sort of close combat focused uh, soldier build because mm -hmm. everyone's like, okay, so it's firing its AOE gun and it's doing a lot, but there's there's always every time we ran a playtest, there was always that moment of surprise when the clawed beast got close to the soldier and the soldier was like i use my reaction to stow gun and pull out doshko like, doshko <laughs> is also very effective yep fun you just thought that was obasaya kane no that is doshko <laughs> oh no is she doshko. that is she that old i thought she, she was older she's putting on some older. years that's why she switched yeah. to the gun yeah. <laughs> um so going back to the stream chat uh, a first time chatter windermelon asks uh how might spell traditions work or come back in the setting when it was originally established that magic had become universal and traditions had kind of died out in the setting so i think i think in in some cases this is going to be something that we we the team just felt like was it was more important for us to have more magic if we got one piece of feedback from first edition it was that overwhelmingly people felt magic wasn't powerful enough and had Agreed. like a good role in the setting. So you know what? Like if that was a if that was like a, a, a belief that existed in a couple lines in a couple of books, I'll tell you most of our staff probably ignored that anyways, beyond the justification for the classes. Yeah, magic's a big thing in our setting. If anything, we're like in this edition, we want it to be magic and technology are are on parity. And there are some things you can do with magic really well, some things you can do with tech really well. That's fair. This question is for Jenny. Night Trace asks, uh, with the move to 2E, will there be more separation between what a mech is and what a power armor is? Uh, that is probably to be determined at this at this time. Uh, but 
by Jen. You know, we we haven't even really started. Much to my chagrin, we haven't really started the mech rules yet. But you know, it's gonna happen. It's gonna mm. it's gonna happen because Thirsty. I know. I see his face right now, and he's like, "Yeah, she'll never mm. shut up if we don't do it." <laughs> uh, and I won't. I won't. But I do think though that yeah, I mean, it it will not look the same as current mech combat. Though there are obviously things I love about Starfinder First Edition mech combat. I mean, obviously, and there's there's lessons that I'm sure we'll take forward when we do start looking at that in the future like we don't want this to totally change uh, mm. uh the combat state we want this to feel like something that's part of the the character and the rules you already have i also i don't know what this unhinged background that there's oh it's it's the b movie <laughs> I, I thought it was natural are i thought we, it was just yeah like, i just naturally are we getting a is that what's happening anyway for for those <laughs> listening uh thurston has gone from having the starfinder logo as his background to having his room as his background to having uh the b movie as in the background over the course of this interview <laughs> oh i'm sorry um did you have any other thoughts about that jenny i, I interrupted you with my no that's that's pretty much it it's just like right now it's it's really too early to get into specifics of that but yeah they will i mean you know i, I don't want to dig a hole there either but it we are not there yet but there are mm. definitely going to be differences in how we approach it just like everything with this but it certainly sounds like the fans of the mech system have a mech fan in you and uh can hope for something uh in the seven year plan or however long it takes um uh how about uh sebastian uh darren asks in uh in the current starfinder most guns have a melee weapon attached to them is there going to be similar like weapon modification rules in starfinder second edition there's an upgrade slot that you might have Mm -hmm. noticed on weapons Mm -hmm. in the field test there that's my answer. <laughs> ah, I see. James, would you like to ask a question while I skim through chat? Sure. Um, any ideas about changing how laser weapons work as opposed to how they do in Starfinder First Edition? <laughs> I, I'm surprised. You oh, yeah. You mean all those esoteric rules that nobody ever remembers, always forgets? A laser is like a gun that shoots fire damage. The end. It has a special <laughs> weapon property. You know, yes, you can shoot it through smoke and other things. like, And it works against that- invisible things. Yeah, that was just cruft we thought was too much and got rid of. Oh, yeah. nice. You're we saint. also have magic, so like, yeah. meh. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, lasers work through windows. I mean, there's glass on them. It, it... <laughs> yeah. You've, you've immediately sold James on this edition with that one rule. <laughs> I've never seen 95% so of people don't even get it until that one person brings it up and it destroys them. Yeah, I know. I've been that person to tell people that. And then I've just mm. been like, we're going to ignore this, but mm-hmm. this might be a thing at a different table. Mm. Yeah. I, I even an organized player refused to ro- run that because it was just, it wasn't fun. <laughs> yeah. Most people just don't get it. Like, yeah. That's fair. Um, so one thing I've noticed is that as we've been talking, it sounds like the terms species and ancestries have been used interchangeably. How is that going to work in the new edition? It's going to be ancestries. Yeah. Like just for, just for ease of reference across things. If we call it like, I'm sure we'll refer to species in running text a lot, but for the mechanical term, we'll call them ancestries. Kind of like what like creature is maybe like species replaces creature or is backwards compatibility creatures probably going to stay. Uh, well, I mean, creature, creature, creature will, will have a, text, yeah, yeah, it has as a rules, it's a rules thing that exists, right? Species is a term we might use in running text a lot, like this species or da 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 da. Um, but ancestry will remain the like the relevant rules title for it. Um, just because again, we we want to make this compatibility work as well. Changing it just because species is a bit more thematic and such to our game most fine also creates a point of dissonance between the two that we just don't really need to have mm. milo three has an interesting question in chat um the pathfinder playtest had a separate logo for the playtest in the final game is this logo final or do you think that logo might change to be determined fair um next one on the list uh so far the ooh, setting question the first okay. question we've gotten that's not a mechanical question uh, we've heard that the pack worlds will have a planet explode, but is it definitely a planet? Could it perhaps be a moon or a planetoid? What if Nachak explodes? Won't someone think of the trucks? Trucks pretty cool. Nachak's <laughs> pretty cool. It'd be pretty cool. Something in the pack world's gonna explode. It's gonna uh, be pretty cool. 
<laughs> Except you, might find, on it. you might find more about that closer to the playtest release. Oh, so I mean, in a but, way you can experience. I mean, but Thirsty said it'll be pretty cool. So clearly, the Burning Mother is going to explode. Mm, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> here's an yep. <laughs> here's an interesting question. Uh, obviously, OG Hell has resulted in many pieces of previously established lore needing to change to fit a mm -hmm. uh, canon that is divorced from Wizards of the Coast. Uh, Murder Hobo 6226 asks, will that affect the name for Formians? So, um, if you've ever met Eric Mona and been in a meeting with him, <laughs> oh, you'll, no. know that, you'll, know that, you'll know that Eric has a library, um, oh, wow. a massive, a, a massive library. And I'll remember when um, we were going through some OGL stuff and Eric was diligent enough to turn around, consult the archive, and pull out <laughs> the decrepit falling apart science fiction book he had at the time that specifically used the term Forbians to describe ant-like creatures well before anything OGL-related used it. Um, we might need to check with a lawyer on that to make sure that's reasonable, but it's in our mind that Forbians will probably stay. But we, you know... For, for purposes of legality, we might have to change it, right? Like we mm -hmm. that's that is on the the list of like a handful of items that Starfinder has. And by a handful, I mean a very small number, of which currently it is mostly Formians and Drow. Do you have any comments about Drow? Stay tuned. I, I I will I I will I will address like a big elephant in the room that people are like ah they're gonna blow up a pasta and get rid of drown no where I'm not taking <laughs> I'm not taking the coward's way out he there I'm giving you one answer we're gonna deal with this head on and we're not just gonna disappear uh drow and what their role is in in, in the setting will we have to have them be something different absolutely do we want to make sure that we can still live the dystopian cyberpunky arms dealer manufacturer fantasies and with characters that people, elves, like, people want with, yes. your, with your gothish elves? Absolutely, <laughs> that's on the table with what we're doing. Very nice. Um, let's see. How about another question? Oh, uh, we did that one already. Got to cross that one off. Uh, here's an interesting question. Um, are there plans for a setting name for the Pact World setting, similar to how the Pathfinder setting is now the Age of Lost Omens? Starfinder. Yeah, it's just Starfinder. That's, that's, that's our brand. Fair. Cool. Yeah. Uh, let's see. What should we ask next? Do you have a preference, James? Um, there is a question about the Solarium, but that kind of follows into class questions, stuff under... You know, still on. You can toss it at me. I, you yeah. know, what's the worst that happens? I yeah, say worst no. Happens, no. Yeah. Uh, from mirror, uh, field tests haven't said stuff. Of... <laughs> yes. Yes. Uh, I was just staring at you. Keep, keep going. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I haven't said much about the Solarian, uh, who has iconic abilities about cycling through duality, and it got increased. Um, <laughs> any plans on keeping any of those, or th throwing everything out, or wh what is the philosophy for a class that mostly had melee options? Solarian is one of the classes that like is probably the most different, I would say, Jenny, of classes we've we've experimented with. We went in entirely different direction while well, keeping like yeah. flavor and how the class like felt um in in first edition but we really wanted to do something very different with it um, no, we don't want to lose it because solarian in a lot of ways is probably one of our most like this is uniquely starfinder classes that we have um and we don't want to lose that uh because it because it's not a jedi and it's not like anything else right it's it is very yeah. uniquely starfinder so we keep the concept of it and the theming of it but as thirsty's saying yes we have a an interesting a different take on, and here, on how that works i'll give Are you I'll spoiling stuff? i i am i'm look, look <gasps> i'm gonna i'm Shock. gonna so the other question that inevitably comes with this is Will will my armor solarian feel good? Will my will my solar <laughs> weapon solarian feel good? Will I have a solar flare? Um, will like will that be an option for me? Um, I don't know. Dora the Explorer. Why not all three? Mm. There you go. Bam. Take that. Mm. <laughs> I yeah, mean, like you kind of you kind of have that in first edition, but it like takes forever to come online. What if all three at first level? Next, next question. 
<laughs> all right. I think uh, so. Like, it's funny what that you, you say that. Pick, like all these, and oh, do I have even exact even like because you know of this and that, or if I have over, is it going to mess me up and give me a penalty? What if we just like got rid of that? Yeah. What if what what mm. if what if it was a binary system like the classes? Mm. Pretty cool. All I'm gonna say, Solarian has me really excited. It's also a class yeah. I designed, so I have a lot of. That's why you're. Excited. I, have a, I have a lot of love for it right Speaking, now. Speaking of classes you designed, I believe uh, several years ago we had you on the show talking about a class you designed, Precog. Yeah. And as we know, the Precog is returning in Starfinder mm -hmm. uh, Core Rulebook Second Edition, uh, but in a different capacity, right? Yeah. Yeah, it's going to be one of the. Uh... Uh, the different anomalies where no pair uh paradoxes, paradoxes the for the uh is. for the witch warper yeah very cool so are other classes getting merged into other classes into each other as like one of like a mandala of class design on the table or is it really just the precog we're we're looking at that um there's there's like there are strong situations where that could work um one thing which we have not done but we talked about the vanguard as a, as another example of that like did the mm. vanguard work better as an aspect of the solarian and just co collapsing some of that in on the solarian there were there were heavy talks about that um the precog into the witch warper was something i pushed for as the person who made the precog because they they just generally felt like they were treading a lot of similar territory and there were yeah. different mechanical expressions for them certainly but one of the things we really want to do in in starfinder 2e is have these classes be very focused on what they're doing and have like a niche that they are exploring but we don't want to be hyper focused but we but we also don't want to be generalists that's also why for example you're not going to see soldier is doing everything you're not going to see an operative that's doing everything. We want to make sure that classes have defined roles so that when you're taking them, you're getting some perks and some drawbacks. One of the, the issues we ran into in SF1 design was like there were a lot of classes out there that had a melee build, had a gun build, had a this build. And then when when it came time to start adding stuff to the class, you were accounting for all of these variables. We want to make sure that our classes have a focus in what they're doing and what their play style is that we can expand on. Um, and so when we were looking at like precog versus witch warper, it just, it made sense when we were talking about introducing paradoxes into a witch warper, like, well, what kind of things would make sense here? And precog just came up as a, absolutely. We should do that. Definitely. James, do you want to take those two questions in chat? Uh, well, I, I saw one that caught my attention about uh, four arms or more breaking combat. Uh, have you found that to be a problem? That was from Dapper Raccoon. Dabber Raccoon. There's a new uh, rule for that in the field first field test, right? Uh, sorry for sorry. What was it? Breaking for combat. Four arms. If you having more oh. than two arms, basically, if that will affect combat action. Yeah, combat. yeah. Um, I mean, it does impact the design space of the game. For example. I'll I'll use something we're in the midst of mucking about with internally. Missiles. We want to make sure that missiles feel like when you slap a missile into a missile launcher and fire it, it's a one big shot, probably is pretty impactful, is pretty cool to use. Um, but to to mitigate some of that, we have to make sure that like there's a reload cost, there's like a bulk and heft thing. Um, if Whilst everyone will be like, oh, but it's such a funny image. The Skittermander with three missile launchers that he can fire <laughs> bang, bang, bang. Um, that's cool, but like we have to balance against that for a game perspective, right? So that's why the the, the field test has some exploration of rules. And as a lot of people um have rightly guessed, like that's something we can improve on. Is the Skittermander who can like hold three missile launchers and fire them like nobody's business, you know, appropriate for like a 15th level character or whatever? Yeah, probably. But is it like something we want to open the door on at first level? Probably not. So that that's why we're we're exploring some of the you gotta be at least stitch from Lilo and Stitch before you can do three missile launchers. It's true. I, I feel that. Um, another question we had in chat, it's actually funny because your your example of the missiles answered a night trace question because they wanted to know whether there were going to be more explosives in Starfinder 2nd Edition. Oh, um, yes. Very good. Uh, there was a discussion on the forums about, oh, that's I already read that one. Um, 
someone wants uh, th it's funny because this is really a jessica question but it might be a thirsty and jenny question too given your backgrounds any chance that there will be more trials of the perplexity in second edition or will that end with first edition that's all thirsty it's my baby <laughs> i like i want to do i i certainly want to do do things with the perplexity one of the fun things about being creative director now is i can like do whatever i want in the setting and it's true i mean so. there are some weird things i put in that outline that i'm working on right now about uh the the perplexity yes. and some other things like that so, so this yeah. is jenny outlining stuff and putting in like little seeds knowing i will have to approve that outline and then in the <laughs> comments back when i'm like change this change this assign this to me change this change this you know <laughs> Yeah. yeah so uh earlier you had talked about the play test and like not wanting to reprint things because obviously yeah. like just go check out archives of Nethys. it's free uh i will shill for that site all day every day made my mm -hmm. life great um when we're talking about the final product where do you see it like i mean i imagine you're probably gonna have to reprint like human yasoki android but like what, what what is what do you think the current design philosophy on that type of like reprinting existing content in second edition is going to be well, I think I think again the the core rules will stand alone, right? Like mm -hmm. and the core rules are going to have core ancestries and there are core ancestries that we need to hit. Human is going to to exist. Will there be some some overlap with PF2 humans? Absolutely. But if we were to say do like the gap displaced heritage, that would be something entirely new. Um, Yosoki is another good example. Like Yosoki heritages are often like specifically terrain based. Like a good, you know, rat folk example from PF2 is there's like a sewer Yosoki heritage that probably doesn't work as well in Starfinder. <laughs> but hey, we can put new stuff. Um, one of one of my goals with ancestry specifically was when we were you know designing the ones that are going to go go into the core uh, the core rulebook of which we've not seen all of them. Um, the those ancestries have some things that are different. Like we're not just universally reprinting everything. That's for sure. So very cool. That I'm sure that'll make lots of people excited to hear. So one thing that I thought I really liked in in the uh the field test was the commercial tactical advanced tags on weapons looking kind of like they function in a similar capacity to weapon property roots. Uh is that kind of where the design space is on that? And if that's the case, are you planning to have like a separate entry on the table for each one like it currently is in the field test? I, I can only speak for myself, but I know for me, it drives me crazy when there's like eight pages of weapons and most of them are the same weapon over and over again. Or just oh, I know. random, I... you know, you can get this random kind of weapon at like item level eight but then you'll never find another I'm one like it ever again yeah yeah you 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 feel I me know. jenny <laughs> i I, I also i also know from your last episode because i watched it that james was actually okay with the tables and was like huh that's pretty cool and i'll tell you um we are going to have a bunch of tables in our books that's that's something that we are going to have because first of all science fantasy fiction gamers love big reward tables that they can and look guns. at we love and guns <laughs> now, now, of course, doing what we call the the C Taze upscaling, that's the commercial and then tactical advance, blah, blah, blah. Um, doing that scaling means we can do a couple of things, right? First of all, um, yes, the property in striking runes, there is that math that we've kind of built in. So you'll have seven mm -hmm. variants of a gun, and then you know, the first one gives you your your plus one to hit in your tracking bonus. The next one gives you an increased damage. What that also lets us do though is in these different versions of guns, maybe the like advanced version just gets 20 more feet on the range or the magazine and stuff is different and like you're using more or less ammo or it has a bigger capacity to it now a lot of people will go oh yes but then but then at that point you're just fill, you're filling up a lot of table space I'm gonna zoom back out of that and i'm going to address another issue that is probably one of the biggest things that i know was one of your personal bugbears alex as someone who studies you is the idea oh, that no. <laughs> in in starfinder first edition you couldn't upgrade weapons you were tossing them into a wood chipper yeah. Um, so unless we have a way to create a baseline of upgrading weapons, it's really difficult for us to do that in a coherent way. Now, by doing this seven, seven sort of rank scaling for any gun we do, we can any I, I will call this like any 
not category, but like any family of guns, like the laser pistol. Um, if you have a laser pistol now, you have a scaling. So if we wanted to say, and we will, include a rule that allows you to upgrade Granny's pistol throughout the entirety of the campaign, you can now do that and not have to throw it into a wood chipper. Um, <laughs> and that is very important to us. Now, what this also lets us do, and I'm very excited by this opportunity, is maybe that table doesn't have seven entries. Maybe it has nine entries. And maybe there's a third level pistol that doesn't have the striking rune, but does more damage. And maybe that's like an Arabani arms specific pistol that doesn't have that upgrade scaling, but is kind of a unique thing. And then in future books, we can then do a whole bunch because we want this thing to be scalable. What we're talking about right now is a core rule book, like a core assumption um, and and what what the core elements of the gameplay are. From there, we can just do a book that's like, oh yeah, like here's tables galore and we don't have to do CTAs up for everything. And it's just like, I don't know, here's like, here's the Arabani laser pistol that hurts more. Like we can do those kind of things. But what we're looking at right now is the baseline. Mm, that was a good answer. You have me convinced. Yeah, I, I like the part where you talk about tables. I started playing Battletech, so all I see is tables. <laughs> I've been playing Battletech lately, too. So don't worry, I'm with you. I love tables. <laughs> I think they're great, and I think GMs love flipping through them. And we've been getting artwork of a bunch of guns and fun stuff that we're going to yeah. have. And our, like, we, you know, we work really closely with our team, like Sonia Morris, our director, like, we're, and, you know, Ken Hamilton, our concept artist, and Kyle Hunter, who's been doing a lot of the, the art layout and stuff. We're going to make sure that these books look slick. So. So, I mean, you did such a good job of addressing my concern with that one. So uh, I'm going to go and bring over my friend Obaziah. And I know that you've been studying all of my behavioral patterns and ticks, Thirsty. So for me on the soldier, the big thing is that uh, the way that it's currently presented, and obviously you've already mentioned that things have changed in the field test that we haven't seen yet. Um, can you talk a little bit about the design philosophy for the soldier and like the balance between we want to make this cool class that has like this specific fantasy and heavy weapons and also like but we want to make sure that you could play your character from first edition all right i'm gonna i'm gonna burst a bubble here in no point have we said you can play your character from first edition and i'm gonna throw this out there because that's not the goal of a new edition of the game. Um, you, again, you have two years to finish up your current campaigns. Um, we're introducing a new game. Can you play a lot of the fantasies associated with characters? Absolutely. But like we have not like gone out and said like, oh yeah, you're going to be able to port your characters over from first edition. That's, that's just not tenable. Like we have <laughs> 200 plus ancestries and a whole bunch of other things. We're taking some of these uh, these classes into wild and crazy new places that maybe your old builds don't follow um so when we talk about this like you know the soldier is something new and it's it, can it still fulfill a lot of those power fantasies like obozaya absolutely obozaya is still very keen with the doshko but going back to where we started this conversation you know there's a meta discussion to be had here about mm -hmm. changing some of the meta of the game and so we we needed to make adjustments to that so that we didn't have just uh here is melee king the class like that's that's not what we're looking for right now in the game yeah we had more we also just had more like thematic like we've had a lot of talks about like what's our concept for you know the new version like the second edition version of all these classes and like the soldier we we obviously do want to have we have some melee functionality because of that uh that feat that thirsty referenced earlier with a reaction mm -hmm. you know you can just you get your dosh go out or whatever big old melee weapon you have when when enemies are actually getting in your face into close quarters but we see the soldier as being more of like the the heavy like the gunner who's kind of on the front Front lines, maybe kind of a tank, sort of that sort of character and big armor, big guns, tough. And we see the the operative as more of like a, a military operator, set of skills type person who, you know, we 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 do we kind of try to tease out what is the fantasy that we want to. Sorry, sorry, I'm gonna get but in but not here. the skill monkey. That's the envoy no, now, no. and that's I, a very say, clear change. We yes, made. and when I say set of skills, I mean set of skills to kill you. That's what I mean, not like set of skills to be good at science and shit. that's not what I meant. So. <laughs> Good, good clarification, Thirsty. Well, we typically end this show at 10 o'clock Eastern time. That's one minute. 
And James and I have asked you both tons of questions. So do you have, do you two, Jenny and or Thirsty, have a question you want to ask anyone in the audience? You can ask me or James, you could ask the your fans at large. What would, uh, what, 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 or maybe you could answer a question that we didn't ask that you wanted to really share a piece of information about. I'm going to turn it to you two. Jenny, you first. Oh, I'm on the spot. No. Delegation. Oh, that's horrible. Well, I mean, I listened to your Stranger Fellows podcast, and when you did that, they all picked all of yours in a row. And then you were left like, like, but I don't think I don't think Jenny's gonna pick mine in this instance. So I'm I'm banking. Oh, he's got one. He's got one and he's he's still delegating. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Wow. I mean, I don't know. All I'd all I'd want to share. I don't think I have a question. I've been I've been kind of following along with chat as much as I can. And I, I think y'all are y'all are assessing out a lot of stuff that we're planning. Some things we some things we can't confirm because again, they might change. But I mean, we are certainly thinking about a lot of these these things that I see discussed uh, everywhere. Uh, we do care. I, I just also want to emphasize that like we really do love. Like I might say things about it was annoying uh, to have to sell your gun for only like twenty, you know, ten percent of its value, or you could only find this one really cool gun at one random level. But I love Starfinder One. I played it for years. I wrote for it for years. I you know I worked on it on staff. It's great, and you can still play it. And it's going to be the only Starfinder in town, really, still for another like two years. Um, but even after that, the, the nanites will not come. Like, we're not releasing them, I, I promise, <laughs> yet. Uh, anyway, so you can still play Starfinder 1, and we love it. But we just, there are things that we just really see opportunities to bring it forward. And that is what we are looking to do. So thanks for caring about the game, honestly, is all I want to say. Anyway, thirsty. See, and here I am wanting to be like, Alex was a coward and didn't ask me the first question on his list, which I was just like... The first question on my list. Yeah, the first question on your list. Initial like I was like, oh, you're setting a tone with this question, and then you never asked it. And I'm like sitting here like, I have an answer prepped and everything, Alex. (laughs) Then I will ask the question for you. Uh, I wrote that initial reception to Starfinder 2nd Edition seemed popular among Pathfinder 2 players and mixed among Starfinder 1st Edition players. What would you say to Starfinder 1st Edition fans who feel that the creative team is abandoning them for greener pastures, which is something I've seen on quite a few places? Yeah. Um, okay, so there's there's a couple of little things in that to to dissect, and I want to to start off by, you know, th- this addressing uh, the, the, the fact from your, your previous show as well about oh, hey, it sure sounds like this is geared towards like Pathfinder 2 players and not Starfinder 1 players. And the the truth of the matter, and I want to build off of Jenny's point, this is what led me to this, is that, um, yeah, that that is the case. We are actually gearing a lot of our a lot of our push on this to people who aren't playing our game right now because it would be really presumptive of me to start telling Starfinder 1E players to stop playing a game when we have three more hardback books coming out for this line that <laughs> me, Jenny, um, the, Dustin who worked on Enhanced, Joe and John put a ton of effort into and they're honestly some of the best books the line has ever had. It would be incredibly presumptive for us to immediately go, ah, but this new thing is coming. So put pay all of your attention here. Um, really, our focus is on getting new people um, in interested in the brand. We want to grow the brand because we also need to address concerns that a lot of our longstanding fans have had, which is, you know, Fat Tony from The Simpsons. Thurston, when are we going to get more books? Where are the new books? When are the new books? Well, we, and so on and so forth. We have to, you know, make an announcement. But to, to cater it towards 1E fans would just be disingenuous to them and just like not not even fair when we have a whole year of great releases coming out for 1E. Um, and then we have tons of time to evangelize, you know, the, all the perks and great things about the new edition. Trust me, we're going to be doing that anyways, but we don't need to, to direct it at them. As far as like leaving for abandoning the, that audience for greener pastures, I'm, I'm going to say like, 
we are wanting to make the game better and have better pastors for everyone to come to. Like, you know, if if one E was was the the commercial success story that it needed to be to keep the edition going, we obviously would have kept going with it at like, you know, a regular pace. But it's very clear that demographics are changing. Game markets are changing. How people play games are changing. And we need to move with the times or rather than like one or two books, you're going to have no books eventually. And we need to stay ahead of that. Right. So I, I want to say like, on the hand of people who feel like they're abandoning us. That's not the case at all. We just have stuff coming out for you and we don't want to like be telling you to go do something else when we also have cool stuff coming out for you. And also it's two years away before this even really kicks off, right? Like breathe. The sky's not falling. You have tons of books. I still have one E campaigns and games going on. It's all good. It's all good. Um, as for, you know, another cool thing that you should uh, go check out. Um, if you're interested, uh, you know, at some point in the future, maybe our team will do some live uh, stream game of TUI and showcase some of that for y'all because we've been talking about doing that. And I think that'll be something you want to, you know, my question would be, would you be interested in seeing some of that from Paizo? Because uh, I think it'd be pretty cool. I think there's definitely a, a an oblivion oath slash band of Bravo sites hole that, that that people could use some filling with. So I I'd, I'd be into that. Oh. Uh, let's end on a positive note. What's one thing enhanced that you're really excited for that you can tell people about? Alternate uses for resolve time. points. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, alternate yeah. uses for resolve points, hundred percent. Like that is absolutely just the the coolest thing in that book. I've had so many campaigns where people forget resolve points exist until they go unconscious. Um, <laughs> trust me, they're going to be gambling a lot with this system. Do you want to add one too, Jenny? Yeah, uh, I didn't work too much on enhanced, but from what I've kind of seen and heard, I'm definitely excited about like the the additional the class options, like stuff for biohacker and witch warper. I think is going to be really cool in particular. Mm -hmm. uh, that'll make those classes like just kind of give them a little extra oomph and give them some more stuff they can do. Well, uh, I want to take the time to thank both of you for coming. Uh, it's just about time for us to wrap up. So uh, just a quick uh, little bit wrap up and a shout out like we usually do. Um, if you are a fan of the first edition Starfinder Core rulebook, Owen has a mega bundle going on right now. Owen is currently fighting cancer and is attempting to raise money for his treatment. Uh, the bundle is available on the Gopen Gaming Store. So uh, if you have the money for the bundle i think it's 40 like 39 or dollars 39.99 i definitely recommend checking that out that is my one shout out uh james do you have a shout out you want to make no cool jetty or thurston do you have a shout out you'd like to make starfinderplaytest.com yeah starfinderplaytest.com <laughs> and uh oh. check out paizo on twitch.tv for in the future if we do some of those streams or recorded play videos very you can also cool. see me on Narrative Declaration. I do some jamming there. There, well, That's awesome. mandatory. Yeah. Um, and if you want to see more of us, you can go to nodirectionpodcast.com. There is a link to our awesome Discord channel where you can follow along and chat with us and do all sorts of fun things and meet gamers and stuff. Uh, we have uh, most of the questions that we asked tonight were sourced from No Direction fans. So it's very uh, good way to chat with me and James, keep us knowing what's going on and what's new and good and and whatnot uh the other thing uh, i like to end each show talking a little bit about what our next episode is going to be james i think we settled on ports of call right because we yeah. never got to do that before john uh had had to take a, a leave so we're going to look at ports of call and then i think after that november i'm pretty sure that enhanced will be out by november so i'd like yeah. to do enhanced in november and then yeah. hopefully in december there will be at least one more field test document we can look at so like we got like a nice little lineup we got stuff early really october oh we already anou we announced it on paizo live so it's uh, not actually a spoiler uh, early october for our next uh our next field test can you spoil what it is nope sure okay. won't <laughs> sure <laughs> won't can you blame a host i'll be trying. in a cabin in the woods when it gets released too i'm very <laughs> excited for that. it literally coincides with the vacation my partner and i have where i will be in a cabin in the woods <laughs> very good well i hope you take a much needed breast uh, obviously making a game and doing all the shifts that you guys are doing it takes a lot of energy so 
uh, keep it up. And uh, also, don't stick around in a cabin of woods uh, yourself, all of our listeners. Uh, instead, you should go beyond with no direction.